started. And uh, just to let you know, Brother Travis called, and uh, his dad, it says dad, right? Brother Jack, father-in-law? Jack. Jack. It's his father. It's his father? Yes. Uh, oh, they're both named Jack? Okay. Okay. Do, do they know for sure that he had a stroke? Uh, not for sure. The last I heard, right now he's in the hospital. So. They're finding all that out, and uh, they keep him in your prayers. Uh, any other announcements this evening? Of course, pray for Pastor and Miss Christie on vacation. All right. Brother Phil, would you open us up in prayer this, this evening? Brother Phil? Give us enthusiasm to respond to you. Now, Heavenly Father, I just pray that you give the message to us that we might respond to you. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Let's turn to page 212, page 212.
All right. Let's sing Joy to the World, 194. Page 194. If you really take to heart these words that we're singing, I know they're, they're really familiar, but, but they tell the gospel story. of his love. Let's have some fellowship time.
I'm going to have the men come forward and let's go ahead and take the offering up. I'm my old age, if I don't do it now, I'll forget it later, amen. I don't do this every week, so I better do it while I'm thinking of it. Brother Caleb, would you ask the blessing, please? Dear Lord, I've come before you this evening, and I just want to thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be here tonight. Lord, uh, just continue to be preparing our hearts to hear your word preached, and uh, during this time of offering, help us to just have joyful and thankful spirits, Lord, that we have an opportunity to give towards your work being done here on earth. God, just help us to try to praise and glorify you in all that we do in our lives. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. another song okay I'll just also make this announcement to uh, December 24th and the 31st that's Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve only a.m. services amen p.m. services are canceled for those evenings for those Sundays Right. Let's turn to page number 160. <coughs> page 160. Uh, Brother, Brother Sandra, this is for you. I know you love this song. I do too. Thank you. 
We had a couple of families here this morning because of uh, the Back to Bethlehem ministry, so that was a blessing. And uh, I was talking to Brother Travis on the phone earlier this evening, telling me what a blessing this morning services was. I kind of missed out on that because me and my wife did junior church, but uh, my two boys, Peyton and Luke, uh, testified to that fact too. Uh, really good services this morning, and we're looking to hear what the Lord has for us tonight. So, Brother Bobby, you come on up. If you will, I'd like to ask you to open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter number 4, if you will. 2 Timothy chapter number 4. And let me say how much of a delight that it has been for me. I, uh, this is, uh, like I say, one of those places it's almost like uh, coming home, and I uh, feel more at home with you folks, feel like you're more family than anything else, and so I appreciate the honor and the privilege of being able to be with you. Uh, I want to look tonight, I want to begin reading in verse number one, and I'll be reading down through verse number six, and uh, we have here the Apostle Paul is writing to a young man by the name of Timothy, and uh, he is uh, uh, here writing a final letter to him. He's already wrote one letter to him. Uh, matter of fact, when he uh, finishes with these uh, letters here, uh, this particular letter, it'll be his final letter, and he'll actually give his life as a ransom or give his life as a token of his love for the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice, if you will, verse number one, and we'll read the first six verses and have just a word of prayer. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but will heap to their own lust. Uh, shall excuse me, but they will uh, after sound doctrine, uh, but uh, after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But which, uh, but uh, watch thou in all things, uh, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Let's pray. Our gracious and most kind Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege and the honor of being able to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Thank you for these folks that are so dear to our hearts and our lives. Thank you for them being here tonight. Lord, I pray that you would reward them with uh, the truth that is uh, magnified uh, from the Word of God. Lord, I pray that you'd give me clarity of thought. Lord, that you would direct my mind, that you would fill me with the Spirit of God. And Lord, we'll love you and thank you and praise you for all that you're doing, for we ask it in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. 
I want to draw your attention tonight to this particular passage. And I want to draw a truth out of it and, and build around it that, that I hope that it will be a, a, an area of encouragement to your heart. As I said, we have uh, Timothy here. And uh, we have the Apostle Paul is writing to him. Uh, Paul is uh, uh, Timothy's uh, spiritual mentor. And he's delivering unto Timothy. Notice there he said, I charge thee. In other words, uh, he is issuing a challenge uh, to this young man that he would remain faithful and fit for the service of God. Uh, you know, uh, as I think about that, I, I, I think about that every one of us, as we uh, grow and as we mature with the Lord, I think it's wise that, that we endeavor to be mentors uh, to the generation coming along behind us. In other words, the things that, that as we have learned, as we have uh, grown, as we have, as we have matured, uh, that, that we pass along to those that are coming along behind us. And here's uh, uh, the Apostle Paul, in other words, uh, uh, Timothy, and also a young man by the name of Titus. Uh, he is being a mentor to them because they are going to uh, take the work of God they're going to step into Paul's place and they're going to continue on for the honor and the glory of God. But notice here that, that as the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, he is encouraging him to remain faithful. He is encouraging him to remain in a state, a spiritual state, that he will not disqualify himself uh, uh, from the work that God has called him to do. Now, notice uh, by way of introduction, there, I believe, there are four areas uh, that he is to remain faithful in. Notice, first of all, in verse number two, he's remained faithful in the service. In other words, he said, preach the word. In other words, uh, Timothy has been called by God. He has a call of God upon his life. He has a particular ministry that, that God has called him to. And he's, uh, Paul is writing and he's saying, I want you to be faithful to the service God's called you to. Now, every one of us, uh, a lot of times, uh, I know some folks, uh, they say, well, I, I don't have a calling. Yes, you do. Uh, you do have a calling. Uh, every one of us as children of God have a calling. Oh, it may not be to preach the gospel, or you may not uh, be used to sing specials, but every one of us have a calling to be a witness, to be a, a soul winner, to be an individual that, that as uh, uh, folks that look at us, the Bible said, let your light so shine before men that, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. In other words, every one of us, no matter who we are, we've been called uh, uh, there in the Word of God. It tells us uh, that we've been given. If we're, if we're saved by the marvelous grace of God, the Bible tells us that it's been commended unto us the ministry and the message of reconciliation. Uh, that, that doesn't just apply to the preacher or the deacon or the Sunday. That, that's to everyone that's been saved. And so he, he wants him to remain faithful to this in, in service. But then notice uh, in verse number two, he wants to bring him to remain faithful in the season. In other words, uh, he makes a comment, be instant in season and out of season. In other words, uh, he's saying, Timothy, there's not a place to let down. 
There's not a place to quit. There's nowhere to let your guard down. But through the entire season of your life, uh, you're to remain faithful and fit for the service of God. You know, I, I hate to say this, but I know a lot of times uh, I've been around folks and they've been involved in the work of God and they sort of feel like, well, you know, uh, I reach a certain place in my life. It's time for me to sort of retire. It's sort of a time that I give a, a pass on the baton to the younger generation. Well, I want to tell you this. There's nothing wrong with, with uh, bringing others along behind you, giving them opportunities and, and, and uh, bringing them. But I want to tell you something. There's no place to quit. There's no place to sit down. As I think about my life, I, I've been now uh, uh, preaching in evangelism 30 years. My next birthday, I'll be 68 years old. And, and uh, every now and then, I, I get to looking back at those that I used to work with at Eastman Kodak. And I've got a buddy of mine. Uh, he retired this year, uh, eight years younger than I am. I, I look at folks that I used to work with, and they're retired, been retired. May I say for the man of God and for us as the children of God, there's no place of retirement. There's no place to quit. And he's saying, him, I want you to be faithful in service. I want you to be faithful in the season. But then notice in verse 3, he said, I want you to be faithful to sound doctrine. In other words, notice he said there. He said, uh, uh, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves. Teachers having itching ears. He said, uh, 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 Timothy, you need to be faithful. He said, there's folks that are going to raise up and they're going to envelop a calling of a, and wooing people over to their side. They're going to gain a crowd because they're going to tell folks what they want to hear. That, that, we've got that today. All we've got to do is turn the TV on. All you got to do is turn the radio on. And there's folks out there that's got a massive audience. You say, why they got a massive audience? They're telling people what they want to hear. They don't preach against sin. They're talking about how good you are. They're talking about uh, self-esteem. They're elevating a man over God. In other words, uh, they've gained a great audience. Paul's saying, I want you to be faithful to sound doctrine. Then notice in verse 5. He said, I want you to be faithful in suffering. Notice there the Bible said, he said, but watch in all things, endure affliction. In other words, I want to tell you, the Bible said that they that will live godly shall suffer persecution. In other words, and as we go further, and we the change that I believe that we're seeing in our nation may not be in my generation, uh, maybe uh, leaning toward the next and the one to follow if the Lord didn't return. But I want to tell you, it's no more uh, anymore. It's not a popular thing to be a Christian. You know, used to, I can remember when I was a little boy, when I was just a little thing, and uh, you could always tell when it was time for the elections. You say, how do you know? All you'd have to do is look back through somewhere in the pew and elections were coming up. You know what? Every politician be sitting in a church somewhere. And you know what he'd do? He'd be bragging about, uh, you know, uh, I'm a good uh, conservative. Uh, I, I believe in God. Uh, I mean, you have all this list of stuff. You say, why? Because he wanted a Christian vote. 
But you know what? I hate to say this. But I'm telling you, folks are distancing themselves. Now, politicians, uh, the other day, I, uh, every now and then I'll get an advertisement. Uh, our, our governor is uh, uh, not going to be running, uh, uh, cannot run again. And we're going to have to uh, get a, a, a governor for uh, the state of Tennessee. And I'm getting uh, uh, flyers from certain folks that, that want to run, you know. And I read them carefully. You know what I've, I've discovered? They don't talk about their church affiliation. They don't talk about uh, being born again. They don't talk about, uh, they, they, they say, I'm a conservative. They don't say I'm a Christian. They talk about all the civil clubs that they're involved in. What, what, what Paul's saying, hey, I want to tell you something. Timothy, uh, when you serve God and honor God, there's going to be affliction. Timothy, you've got to remain faithful in service, in season, in sound doctrine, in suffering. You're going to have to be faithful. Now, notice he calls heaven and earth the record of this faithfulness. Paul earnestly charges. Notice he said in verse 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing. In other words, he's calling heaven and earth to record that Timothy would remain faithful as a child of God and would honor God with his life. Now, He's using a strong challenge. As I begin to look at that, uh, I don't know that you do this. I, if it would help you, I encourage you to. But what I've, what I've made it a practice is, uh, is when I read and study the Word of God, I'm constantly asking myself questions. And so when I read this challenge, this, this strong challenge, that he's calling God as a witness to this challenge, I ask myself the question, why such a strong challenge? Why would he feel like that it was so necessary to make such a strong challenge to remain faithful? Well, as I begin to think about it, I thought about three things, and, and they're still by way of introduction. Look, if you will, in chapter number 2 there of 2 Timothy and look at verse number 4. First of all, he's to remain faithful and he uses this strong challenge because, first of all, responsibility. He's telling Timothy, you've got a responsibility. Notice what he said. He said, no man that warth, uh, uh, warth uh, no man that warth entangle himself with the affairs of this life. Now notice this that he may please him who had chosen him to be a soldier. You know what, Tim, what Paul's telling Timothy? You have a responsibility. You have a responsibility. God has chosen you. God has made a call on your life. God has given you a ministry. God has given you a challenge. And in other words, you've been chosen. Therefore, you have responsibility. You know, uh, I'm afraid that what we've done is we have, through the process of time, we have begun to raise people in this nation.
somebody else's fault. This morning, if you were in the service, uh, I made mention that uh, I'm reading a self-help book. It's called uh, Seven Decisions. And written by a guy, as I said, he lost his uh, mother to cancer, his dad to an automobile accident. Ultimately, he ended up living in a, underneath a pier in uh, Gulfport, Mississippi. Uh, living underneath the pier, homeless. And now he has developed a life in which he has been invited by four presidents to speak to him. He's spoken to Congress on several occasions. And he speaks around the world and to leading industrial companies he speaks to. And do you know what is first? The first decision that he says you have to make. You're going to be successful. He says this. The buck stops here. He said you have to take responsibility for yourself. You have to put blame in your father or your mother or your education or your health or what he said. You have to take responsibility for yourself. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy. You have been called. You have a ministry. You have been given responsibility. You know, I, I wish we as God's people would accept responsibility for living the Christian life and honoring God. But then notice second. Look in chapter number four and verse number six. He said, for I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departure. And he, he, here, he, he's saying, you need to understand, Timothy, you're my replacement. I'm leaving out of here. I'm not going to be here forever. And, and when I get ready to leave, there's someone that must step into my shoes. And Timothy, you are my replacement. You know, uh, If the Lord doesn't return, I'm not going to be here forever. Wonder where my replacement is. Brother Rick isn't going to be here forever. Wonder where his replacement is. May I say God already knows who should be there. and God is working in their life. Wonder if they'll be faithful to be that replacement. But then notice lastly, if you will, and this is what I want to preach on. He wants him to be faithful in service, in season, in sound doctrine, in service because of responsibility, because of replacement. But here's the one I want to preach on. He wants him to be faithful because of remembrance. I want to read you a statement. And if you need to, I want you to write it down. While people will notice how you start, you'll only be remembered by how you finish. Let me read it to you again. While people will notice how you start, you'll only really be remembered by how you finish. When I thought about that, I... I thought about a friend of mine, and I still call him a friend. 
He began to preach when he was about 18 years old. And I know he preached over 25, maybe 30 years. He was being used across the country. He was being groomed to take the place in a small Bible school as the president of the college. He'd written several books and God had used him to write songs. Matter of fact, Squire Parsons and several groups sing his songs. But then the next thing you know, he ends up with an affair, wrecks his marriage and his ministry. And one of these days, he's not going to be remembered for the songs he wrote, the books he wrote, and the places that he preached. He's going to be remembered as that fellow with all the potential that failed and gave it up because he couldn't control. You say, what's your point, Brother Bob? What I'm trying to tell you, what I'm trying to tell me and remind myself is it's great to start out right, but the truth of the matter is if you don't end right, you're in trouble. Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, you need to understand. It is important that you're responsible. It is important that you're a replacement. But Timothy, I want you to remain faithful because it's important on how you will be remembered. I want you to notice, if you will, that it's interesting, and in verse number 8 through 11, Paul will bring to Timothy's remembrance some folks and how they were remembered. Notice, if you will, in verse number 10, notice Demas was remembered for his retreat. Notice what the Bible said. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world and is departed unto Thessalonica. He also mentions two other men that, that leave, that, that go out. But here's what I want you to notice. Notice that, that while they went out and left like Demas did, notice uh, Demas left to go to the world. They left to go to a work. When you study out Demas' life, as best I can tell. If you read and study it, Thessalonica, the church at Thessalonica, was a very prominent church and a very good church. And what Demas did is, he didn't really leave and go uh, divorce his wife. He didn't leave and go uh, uh, down and sit on a bar stool. We have no record that, that he did any of those things. You say, what did he do? He just got tired of serving God, found a big church somewhere, and hid out of it. He just got attached to, to, to enjoying certain things that the world had to offer. See, he, he chose. See, his problem was, it wasn't his leaving. His problem was his loving. In other words, instead of loving God supremely, his affections got to the point that he loved the world more than he loved God. It wasn't that he ceased to be in church. 
just see, this ceased, that church began, became a priority. And God became a priority. He became one of what I call those nominal Christians. They just sort of in and settle in and you'll see them on Sunday morning, but generally that's about all you're going to get out of them. They have no dedication. They're not that, that crowd that, that when you're looking for help and you're looking for work and you ask folks, this is what we need to do, and they raise their hand say, let me do it, preacher. No, they've always got something else to do. And you know what's sad? I'm not going to have you turn, but in Colossians uh, chapter 4, verse 14, uh, Philemon, uh, verse number 24, you know what? Paul gives record when he's talking about servants and he's talking about men that have been with him and involved in the ministry. You know what? He gladly calls Demas his name. <coughs> I wonder he had to rewrite those letters now, would he include Demas? Every now and then, because of me writing books and stuff like that, I'm around where books are and where people have written books. And, you know, uh, I thought about it a long time. How would you like to be an author and have a good friend that is well-known and well-renowned and have him write the forward in your book and your book being sold across the country? The fellow that wrote the forward in your book mess up and destroy his life and everybody that picks up your book now opens your book and reads the forward, and it's written by a man or a woman that has destroyed her own life. Wonder now if Paul could rewrite Philemon. Wonder if he could rewrite Colossians. If he just sort of leave Demas' name out. You say, why? Because He's not remembered for his faithfulness. He's remembered for his folly and his retreat back to the Lord. But then notice, not only do we see Demas, but look, if you will, in verse 11, he mentions, he said, uh, only Luke is with me. Notice his take Mark and bring him with thee for he is profitable in ministry. You say, who's Mark? He's remembered for his return. In other words, here's a fella that he did what Demas did. In other words, uh, uh, over there, you can study it out uh, and read about it uh, over in Acts chapter number 15 and verse number 38. Uh, here's John Mark. Uh, uh, he's there as their minister. He's there uh, uh, making arrangements. Uh, he gives food. Uh, he works with the converts. Uh, he does all this. Uh, he's involved in the ministry. And one day, we don't know what happened, but he gets the boots mouth and he goes on. And he doesn't leave quietly. He causes a big stir. And he goes, goes back home. 
Of course, you know the story. After a while, uh, here he comes, uh, and he comes back, uh, and uh, he, he wants to get right with God, and he does get right with God. Matter of fact, if you studied out, John Mark will minister to Paul and also Peter. History says that he's instrumental in starting a church in Alexandria, Egypt. And God even allows him to write one book of the New Testament. But you know what? Even with his return, when you begin to mention his name, you know what everybody thinks about? They think about the God. You say, why? That's the way he's remembered. But then notice, not only do we see John Mark and his return. Not only do we see Demas and his retreat, but look in verse 11, we see Luke is remembered for his remaining. Only Luke is with me. In other words, uh, when you think about that, you, you need to realize uh, where Paul is. He's in an underground dungeon and and uh, in those days, uh, I hate to say this, but prisoners, uh, they didn't get three square meals a day. They didn't have air conditioning heat. They didn't get a library. They didn't have a computer to work on. They didn't have the privilege of, of working on their doctor degree and the government paid for They lived in a dank, dirty, underground dungeon. And if their friends didn't bring them food, they'd starve to death. If the friends didn't bring them clothes, they'd freeze to death. And he makes a comment. He said, Luke is with me. He, in other words, Luke has fulfilled what I believe the Bible said is the greatest characteristic of any Christian. The Bible said, moreover, it is required of a steward that a man be found faithful. Amen. Here is an individual that did not retreat, uh, did not have to return, but he has remained faithful to the man of God. Well, let me ask you a question just for a moment. Other than remain, what else do we know about? As he is as he is writing here, uh, he, he actually makes the comment. He said, "At my first answer, all men forsook me." Now, evidently, Luke has been there, and Luke has provided certain things. But you know, when I think about it, can we give him any credit for anything else? Has he done anything? You know, I, I know folks that when the church doors are open, they will be there. They're going to be there Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. But that's not all you can say about them. They're there. They're admitting or they're, uh, getting out 98.6 degrees of heat. They're holding one end of the view now. 
you know what? I, want, I don't want to retreat. I don't want to have to return. But I want to do more than just remain. I want to be with something more than just some guy that occupies a pew. And the, when the preacher looks out, there my face is. And that's about it. You say, what do you mean, Brother Bob? Well, there's a fourth guy here. You say, who is he? May I say, it's the Apostle Paul himself. He's a man to be remembered. Now notice this in verse number, look at verse number, verse number eight. He's a man to be remembered. Now get this, for his rewards. Look what he says in verse number eight. He says, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me into that day, and not to me only, but to all them that love is appearing. The apostle Paul says, hey, there's one guy retreated. There's one guy returned. There's one guy that remained, but he said, hey, I'm a man with rewards. May I say, I'd like to see some Christians who have some rewards. You say, well, Brother Bob, why, why, what's the rewards? What, what, what has he been faithful in doing? What he's been fruitful in doing? Notice, uh, notice in verse 6, he's been fruitful in his finish. Notice what he said. For I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departure to hand. Now, let me give you, let me, let me, uh, give you a little Old Testament analogy of what, what he's talking about. When he uses word, that word uh, uh, there uh, in verse uh, number six, uh, and he makes the comment, he said, For I am now ready to be offered. It's a picture of, a, a, of an Old Testament uh, thing that, that when a, an animal was brought in for sacrifice, the priest would take that, that animal and he would examine it starting from its mouth, its eyes, its ears, its back, its legs. He would, he would look for any infirmity. Matter of fact, they say that, they, that if it was a sheep that they'd take it and uh, take a, uh, something like a, 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 you know, a, an old broom and he could pull a broom straw out of that broom. He said that he would take a, a twig of that light and rub it across the animal. And if that animal bleeded, it meant that there was a sore spot. It didn't qualify to be offered. But if it didn't bleed and he couldn't find an infirmity, he would begin to pour warm oil over the head of that animal, saying that it qualified for sacrifice. Paul saying, God's examining my life, and it's almost as if I can feel the warm oil being poured over my life. He's saying, hey, I'm finished. I finished the race. I, I have completed what God wants me. You know, I wonder, I wonder if you think about your life. Will you finish? Will you complete everything? God wants that you to do? Or will or will you come to the very threshold of death and think to yourself, well, I wish I'd have done this. I wish I'd have done that. I wish I'd have been successful in this. I admit, if I had my life to live over, I'd do this and do that. You know what Paul's saying? I don't have any regrets. You know, uh, when Paul was struck from his beast and was 
says to Ananias, he says, you go down there, he's a chosen vessel. And uh, I'm going to show him what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. You know what, you know what uh, Paul had? Paul had the privilege of God telling him and giving him his orders before he ever started out. He knew what he was to do. He knew where he was to go. Everybody else said, don't go to Rome. Paul said, you don't understand. i got to go to Rome. And now he's here and he's saying, hey, I've got some rewards. You know why? Because I finished then notice uh, verse 7. He said, I've got some rewards because I've been faithful to the fight. Notice what he said. He said, uh, verse 7, I've fought a good fight. He said, I've stood toe to toe. I've not backed down. I, I've, you know, I, I think that there's an aspect, and you, you'll have to forgive me. There's a fine line, I think. There's a fine line between demonstrating Christian love and having a backbone. I think some Christians stood up. I'm not talking about it in a mean and arrogant way, but I think it's time to stand up and say, hey, I, I, uh, uh, we have a right. We, we, in other words, uh, we're going to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to display the manger saying, We're going to have a, 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 this. Uh, we're going to have a cross. We're going to pray in public. We're going we're gonna to hold the Bible as a standard. I'm not going to go down and bomb the capital or shoot people or have a postal rage or something like that. But I, I think it's time to stand up. Hey, I want to tell you, you have to forgive me. Maybe this is just a militant spirit I've got in my heart. I want to tell you something. If they have to give that crowd time to, and give them a room for them to pray to, to make it, they ought to allow us to. You say, why? They get it and we don't. We won't fight for it. You know that's the truth. He's been fruitful in the finish. He's been fruitful in the fight. Verse 7, he's been fruitful in his function. Notice what he said here. He said, uh, I finished my course. He said, God has laid out a track. He's laid out a journey for He's, he's given me a function for my life. And I've been in my lane running my race. I've not been competing against you. I've not been competing against anybody else. You know who Paul was competing against? Himself. His own flesh. You know who I, you know who I have to compete with every day when I get up? Me. I'm my worst enemy. You know, if I could just take care of me, I don't have to worry about anybody else. He's been fruitful in the finish. He's been fruitful in the fight. Been fruitful in the function. Then verse 7, he's been fruitful in the faith. Now, I'm writing through 2 Timothy right now. And I don't know how many times Timothy, I mean, how many times the Apostle Paul uh, declares to Timothy that he must remain faithful to the faith. You say, what's he talking about? He's talking about religious conviction of moral and gospel truth. He's saying, you got to say, you know what the encouragement today is in the lives of most of God's people? Give in just a little. 
be tolerant. You know, go ahead and believe in a God. Just don't be staunch and say that Jesus is the only way. There's multiple gods. Surely there's multiple ways to heaven. You say, what's your point, Brother Bob? I'm glad that as we look uh, at these individuals, as, as the Apostle Paul is telling Timothy, remember, Timothy, you, you've got responsibility. Uh, Timothy, re remember that, 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 that you need to be a, an individual that, that will remain true uh, because of, of, uh, of the aspects of you're my replacement. But Timothy, remain true because you're going to be remembered for something. He said, you can be remembered for retreat. You can be remembered for returning. You can be remembered for remaining. Or you can be remembered as one that has gained some rewards from the new God. You know what I thought about that? I sort of looked at it this way. We know he doesn't want him to be like Demas at all. But worst case scenario, if he was like John, if he had John Mark and he had went away, it would be good that he returned. But if he was like Luke, it would be better that he would never leave or return, but he'd just remain. But you know what would be best? If he'd be just like Paul. Not only remain, but remain with some rewards that lay ahead of him. Every one of us if the Lord doesn't return very soon, every one of us are going to depart this life, this, this veil of tears. We're going to depart this world. And whether you like it or I like it or whoever likes it, every one of us are going to leave the testimony of who it is. The question we need to ask ourselves is how I can't determine that for you, but I tell you this. I can determine it for me. And Paul gives Timothy a very strong charge. He calls God to record that he remained faithful. Because Timothy, you have responsibility. Timothy, you're going to be a replacement. But Timothy, you're going to be remembered. So live your life so that there is a worthy remembrance of who you are. Would you stand, please? Our gracious and most kind Heavenly Father,
We thank you, Lord, for the privilege and the opportunity to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Thank you for the attentiveness of your people. Thank you for this passage of Scripture encouraging us to remain faithful unto the end. Lord, speak to our hearts as only you can. And we'll love you and thank you and praise you for all that you're doing. For we ask it in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. As our brother begins to play, as God speaks to your heart, maybe there's an area of need in your life, the altar's open, whatever the Lord would speak to your heart about, we encourage you to do it. Have, your, have his way in your heart, in his life, as he speaks to your heart. thinking about, and I don't know, maybe you never thought about, you'd seen Demas and John Mark and Luke, never thought about being the idea of the Apostle Paul. You know, as I was sitting there thinking about as our brother was playing, don't raise your hand, but think about it just for a moment. Have you ever heard anybody say, boy, I, I wish I was a demon? I wish I was a John Mark. You know, as great as he was, I've never heard anybody say, I wish I was a Luke. Do you know what I have heard people say? I sure wish I was more like the Apostle Paul. You say, why? Because there's the good, there's the, there's, there's the good, there's the better. I sure do appreciate you being here tonight. I appreciate your attentiveness. Remember all the announcements. I'll be back in your place Wednesday night, be back Sunday. And if you will, continue to remember Brother Jack. Yes, Brother Jack Ivers. Continue to remember them, the Travis family. Uh, those folks, I'm sure, that they're worried and that kind of stuff. Is there any other announcement before we be dismissed? All right, let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. Our gracious and most kind Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so thankful for the honor and the privilege of being able to be in the service tonight. Thank you for the sweetness of God's people. Thank you for their friendship, their fellowship. Thank you for their love. Lord, we just thank you so much for them. Be with them as they travel home tonight. Give them safety on the road. 
be with them as they go to work tomorrow, go to school, wherever it may be. Lord, we love you now. Receive all the glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.